by Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Thank you for spending this part of your day with us. We are here to help you with your how-to questions. That's what we talk about. How to fix this, how to fix that, how to plan for improvement projects. Maybe you've got a project you'd like to think ahead to the warmer days that feel like they're right in front of us, even though it's still really cold. But maybe you want to plan a deck for the spring. Maybe you want to plan some work for inside your house right now. Uh, maybe you're just coming off the holiday season when you've thought to yourself, oh my gosh, this kitchen has got to go. It was so hard to work in when I had all the family and friends over. Now would be a great time to plan a project for the weeks and months ahead. You know, more kitchen makeovers get done in the first quarter of the year than any other time of the year for that very reason, because people just could pretty much they get broken. They reach their breaking point at the holidays and they're they're just ready in the new year to take on a kitchen project. So what we're saying is this whatever's on your to-do list, move it over to ours because we're standing by to help. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit, eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four, or you can post your questions at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, do you have closets that seem to be busting at the seams? We've all got one or two of those, so we're going to share some simple steps for an easy closet makeover that takes less than an hour or two to get done and will help you find the space you're missing. And keeping heating costs down is usually a lot easier for homes heated with gas or oil than those heated by electricity. But new efficiencies in heat pump technology are changing this for the better. We'll share some ideas in just a bit. And you might think that a working smoke detector will protect your home and family from a fire. But while that system does provide a critical alert, adding a home sprinkler system could stop the home from actually burning to the ground. We'll have tips on how you can get that project done. But most importantly, we want to hear from you. What are you working on? Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. You know, the cool thing about how we produce the Money Pit is that you can call us anytime that you hear the show, 24-7, right here at 888-MONEY-PIT. If we're in the studio, we're going to pick up. But if we're not, we'll still pick up, get some details, and call you back the next time we record. So that's how it works. Give us a call right now at 888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Corey in Kentucky, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Uh, yeah, I had a question about the uh, house that I was looking at buying, and okay. uh, it's got a major problem with the second floor. It sags probably about six to eight inches. It it looks literally like a bowl on the second floor. Wow. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Like, it's really noticeable, and uh, the house was built during the Civil War, so it's an extremely old house, and it's an mm. old farmhouse. Okay. And I uh, was just wondering how extensive a repair would that be? They, the structural engineers said it's fine, but... Yeah, it's, it's somewhere between nothing and tearing the house down. Does that yeah. sum it up for you? It's, it's really hard to Doesn't tell. Feel better? Yeah, until, until yeah. you really get into it. A couple of things that you could do. First of all, Corey, have you had a professional home inspector or an engineer look at the house? Uh, yeah, I'm actually in the military, and I had a, the veterans... Uh, Veterans Affairs actually had an inspector go out and look at it, and the structural engineer that inspected it said that it, it's structurally sound because it was built with greenwood, but it shrank. And okay. he said it's sound, but, you know, if I ever wanted to resell the house, I'd have to, 
you know, make it better in order to be able to get what I paid for out of it. Well, with all due respect to the military and the Veterans Affairs and the guy they sent out, I sincerely doubt he was a structural engineer. You may have, you may be calling him that, but it would be unlikely that they would send out such a professional. They probably sent out a housing inspector who inspects everything from homes that people are buying and need loans on to, uh, you know, rentals. I would strongly underline strongly recommend that you at least have a professional home inspector look at this uh, these are guys that look at homes every day and they really know how to sort the wheat from the chaff and figure out whether it's a major problem or a minor problem and if you're really seriously interested about this place the step above that is to consult with a structural engineer now with a problem like this if you're going to fix it and it sounds like you are it's very important you do it the right way, and that is that you work with an architect or an engineer to inspect the property, actually spec out the exact repair that needs to be done, and then reinspect it after it's completed and give you a letter to that effect. So then now you, you sort of have a pedigree uh, or proof that the problem is identified, evaluated, and correctly repaired, and you have the word of a professional, a licensed professional, that's certifying that. This takes you out of the responsibility loop. You understand what I mean? It's If you just had a slopey floor and you say, well, I fixed it, you know, that doesn't really mean as much as whether or not you had pros look at it, uh, explain exactly how it should be fixed, and then certify that it was done correctly. So if you're real serious about this, I would get another expert to look at it and look at this specific problem. It will be well worth the investment. Okay, yeah, because the house is pretty cheap, and I could definitely resell it for higher value. So I was really looking into it. It's five acres of land and everything like that. So uh, I was really wanting to get the house, but I didn't know if it was going to you know, cost me way more to fix the house than it was to buy yeah, the Yeah, and house. it's, a, it's a definitely a, a, a cost-benefit analysis that has to be done. I would definitely recommend that you spend, uh, you know, 300 $350 or whatever it costs to get an inspection done. Um, if you go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors, it's ASHI, A-S-H-I dot org. There's a zip code locator. You will find ASHI certified members in your area. I would use that as the first list to call and then work through that list and have a conversation with the inspectors until you find one that you really feel knows what he or she is doing and you're comfortable and then hire that person to evaluate the house. Okay, that sounds great. All right, Corey, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. All right, thank you. Clara in Minneapolis, Kansas is on the line with a dryer venting question. How can we help you? Our dryer is in the basement, is the beginning part of the problem. So when we hook it up to the vent, the vent goes straight up. How far up does it go? Well, it's probably eight foot. Okay. And then it goes vertical, I mean horizontal, um, probably about 25 feet to the wow. back side of the house, and then okay. that's where it, the exhaust comes out of the house. Mm-hmm. And we can get part of it cleaned. Is it a metal um, exhaust duct or a plastic exhaust duct? It's a metal. Okay, good. Perfect. We've got a solution for you. It's called a uh, Gardas Lint Eater, and it's a special brush that fits inside the dryer exhaust ducts, and it's on fiberglass rods. And So it's flexible. You, it's flexible. And so what you do is you start with like three foot or six foot of the fiberglass rod, you hook it up to a drill, and the drill is what spins it. You run it into the duct, pull it out a couple of times. Then you add another length of fiberglass and another length of fiberglass rod and so on. And it's the coolest thing because you will be amazed, both, I should say, amazed and disgusted at the (laughs) amount of lint that is going to come out of your vent the first time you do it. I imagine. Just Google it, lint eater. 
Okay. Lint, E-A-T-E-R, and you'll find it. It's a really handy tool to have. Once you have one, you can, you know, use it a lot. You can do it from the outside. They've got other attachments that help you get in closer to the dryer and so on, but it's a, it's okay. a great product, okay? Yeah, and you know what? Okay. If you don't do it, you really need to be careful because all of that lint is sort of just building up in there, and it could be a fire hazard, so you really do have to get on this. Yeah, that's what we were concerned about. And that's actually their website, too. It's linteater.com, so check it out. Okay, that sounds great. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You know, that's such an important thing to do, Leslie, because there's a lot of fires that happen in homes mm-hmm. because of dirty dryer exhaust ducts. So it's funny, I was keep it clean. just noticing, you know, the lint buildup in my driveway again. And I was like, ah, oh, it's time. <laughs> it's time, time again. To get out there. Yep. Pete in Illinois, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, I got lime deposits in my toilets, and I've got probably five toilets in my house that I'd like to get them out of it. You know, they're around the, the upper part of the rim where the water comes out, okay. and then down in the bowl. And I've tried lime away, and I tried a vinegar soak. Maybe I just didn't do it long enough, but I, I'd like to find a way to get the, those lime deposits out of there and get my toilets looking nice. Have you tried CLR? Yes, I have. You have tried CLR, and CLR didn't do it either? Didn't do it, no. Well, Pete, if the commercial cleaners like CLR and LimeAway are not working, there's a couple other things that you can try, but you have to be very careful. One of them is to use something that's abrasive like pumice or like a rubbing compound, and you can try to abrade away the deposit. Theoretically, these uh, abrasives are softer than the porcelain, but you have to do it very carefully. You don't want to rough the surface of the porcelain because if you do, it'll get dirtier that much quicker um, the next time around. Some folks also use muriatic acid. Mm-hmm. I don't like to recommend that because it's pretty harsh stuff. And, you know, you got to be super, super careful when you use it. But it is, yeah. it is a possibility as well. And then, you know, the other thing that you can try is you did use vinegar, but I don't know if you mixed it with baking soda. Yeah, because that helps. That helps as well. You kind of make it into a paste and let it stand for a while, and then you rinse it. Okay. So there's a couple of additional things that you can try. I also found a great article online. Whenever you find an article from a university or an extension service, it's usually pretty well researched. And if you just Google removing mineral deposits and North Carolina cooperative, you'll find it. And it's an extensive article that's a little old, but has a lot of great suggestions in it and specifically has solutions for the different types of deposits that you get on these fixtures, whether it's rust, iron, copper, you know, what kinds of stain it is and so on. That sounds great. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. 
Lock this special offer in right now by going to AIRDOCTORPRO.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AIRDOCTORPRO.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Barry in Florida is dealing with a plumbing situation. Tell us what's going on. Well, I replaced the sprayer in my kitchen sink. And um, uh, I did, uh, at the same time, I did a... um, Dishwasher and the dishwasher is working fine, no problem. Um, and the sprayer, though, uh, it's been there 22 years. It just wasn't spraying. I figured it was all uh, clogged up, so I replaced it. And when I did the new one, um, when I turn on the water, not the sprayer, but the water, I get a bang, 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 like a like air in the pipes. But it's been doing that for about a month now, waking everybody in the house up. So um, I thought maybe I'd call you guys and see if you could help me figure out. Um, I'm fairly handy. What I need to do, either replace the whole thing again, and I replace it with a brand new one I bought at the hardware store. Barry, when you said that the sound is waking everybody up, is it happening on its own or only when you're using that no, sink? No. Only when you're using the water. My wife told me that when I get up in the morning to make coffee, I wake her up by turning <laughs> on the water. Only when you use the main water um, um, handle. Now, does it happen when you turn the water on or when you turn it off? On. When you turn it on. On? The, time the water's on. Hmm. It does that. That's interesting. So if I left if I left it on for twenty minutes, it would do it constantly for twenty minutes. That's why I don't think it's air. And the whole time it's on. Yeah. So I think you've got a bad washer in there somewhere. Now if it happened when you were spraying and then you released it to turn the water off and you got banging them, that I would say is water hammer because the water has a forward momentum in the pipes and when you stop spraying the water it keeps moving and bangs the pipes. That's water hammer. Yeah. 
That has one solution. But if it's happening just because you turn the sprayer on, then I think that the valve in the sprayer is bad, and it's probably vibrating somewhere in there. This happens sometimes with kitchen sinks. If you lift up the lever to turn the sink on, sometimes you get a ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk kind of a sound, and that's when you have a, a bad valve. And so I suspect that if you replaced just, you don't have to replace the whole line, but just the handle part of it, try replacing that and see if it still does it. Um, I think you've got a bad one there, buddy. You're talking about the handle in the, in the handheld sprayer. Correct. Yeah, and those are replaceable. Okay, okay sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, Barry. I'll try give that. it a I shot. I mean, that'll be an easy fix if that's a fix. And that's what we hope for. Barry, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you are short on closet space, it's a problem that kind of hits you in the face every time you open the door, even if you can't close it in the first place. Well, here's a way to tackle a closet cleaning in less than an hour or two and do some good for your sanity at the same time. Oh, God, this is the worst part, guys. First of all, empty it. I mean everything. Empty that whole closet out. It's all going to go. I I do this in my kids' room all the time. And they're always like, no, it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Not again. (laughs) Empty out that space. I mean, really, this is the only way you're going to see what you've got and what you need. So... Next thing, you got to figure out what to keep, what can be tossed or donated. If it's something that you're not wearing any longer, consider giving it to somebody that really needs that clothing and is going to enjoy it much more. And I mean, it's a much better thing to do than let it just take up a ton of space in the back of your closet. Now, if you come across things that you wear rarely, maybe it's a special occasion dress or, you know, a fancy winter coat, something like that, consider whether it's better to just store that elsewhere, like your attic, for instance, then give that empty closet a good clean. Now, let's talk about some organizational ideas. If you've got a budget, you can, of course, buy closet organizers. Remember that an organized closet is a great selling point for potential buyers. But even if you don't buy an organizer, you need to figure out which items you use the most and make them the easiest to access. Take care of those few steps and you will have a very well-organized closet that has more room for you to fill up all over again. And then we can talk about this maybe in another few months. <laughs> Dina and I was on the line with a flooring question. How can we help you? My husband and I, about oh, probably three or four years ago, did some remodeling in our kitchen, and we decided on getting some of the uh, laminate fake travertine floor. And okay. we went to our local Habitat for Humanity store and got, got they're like planks. They're planks of the floor. And we installed them, and they looked beautiful. But over the course of the last couple of years, uh, things have fallen, and chunks have come out. Like some places, it's just a scratch here or there, but in other places, there there are some chunks. And luckily, the floor has kind of a a brown rock appearance, so some of them aren't noticeable, but. There is one that's fairly large, and once you start looking, you can see just how many there are. So we can't go back to the store and get more because it's a restore. They only have limited quantities, and really replacing all that is going to be really tough. I didn't know if you had a way to fix this or any suggestions. Well, there's a lot of difference in the quality of laminate floors, and some are going to be more durable than others. For those that are not aware, laminate floors are similar to like laminate countertops, except for the most part, they're about 20 times uh, more durable. Now, if you know the manufacturer of the floor, I don't know if that's possible, most manufacturers actually have 
a sort of touch-up compound. It comes typically in a tube, looks like a toothpaste tube, where you can actually squeeze some of this stuff out and patch the floor and come up with a color that's, that's reasonably close. If you don't have that, you may be able to find one from another manufacturer that's close to this. Okay. I do remember we looked at the flooring. I don't remember the name, but I do remember it was a major name brand because we looked okay. it up online to read about it. So I think we may have one or two squares somewhere. Maybe I can look on the back and give them a call. That, that's great information. Yeah, if you can do that, I bet you you'll find that they do have a repair product for the floor because you're not the first one that's dropped something on the floor and had a chip. <laughs> and you're not going to be the last one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you. That's that's good information. I didn't even think to look back at the company, so I will do that. Kathy in South Carolina, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? I have a problem with the squirrels chewing into my roof. Okay. And I was wondering, how can I, what can I repair this with, and what can I put in there to keep them out? Now, where are they chewing it? Are they chewing through the trim or the soffits, trying to get into the attic space? Or what's the story? Well, they have gotten into the attic space. The holes, are you repairing those holes, or what are you doing? No, I was calling you to see how you could help me, because I listen to your <laughs> show all the time, and you give such good advice. Well, if they get into your attic, you can trap them and release them. You can use something called a have-a-heart trap. And this is a trap that is a wire cage with a trap door. And the way to bait it is to take an apple and put it in the far end of the cage and wire the apple to the cage. Don't just put it in there. But usually I'll take like a, a hanger or a piece of picture frame wire or something like that, and I'll thread, thread it through the apple and wire it off so that it can't bounce around. And if they're in the attic, they'll come looking for that food. They'll get trapped in there. Then you can pick the whole cage up and take it far away from your house and then release them. And believe me, as soon as you lift the door up, they're like out like a they're like gone. a light. They just fly right out there and they'll take off. They want nothing to do with you. So it's completely safe. Now, in terms of those holes, you have to repair them. Now, you can put... Uh, if it's a small hole, you could put steel wool in it or something like that. But if it's a bigger hole, you really should simply rebuild it or repair it, whatever it takes. So if it's you know it's wood or if it's vinyl or if it's metal soffit material, you really just need to completely uh, rebuild that. And then the other thing I'll mention that seems to have been pretty effective over the years, and that is if you were to put mothballs down in your attic, uh, that does seem to have a deterring effect on the squirrels as well. So if you spread them... Mm-hmm. It will, though... That odor does seep into the house, so don't go crazy yeah, with it. Right. You sprinkle them in there, yeah, especially along the eaves. But is there anything else I can put up there uh, to keep more from coming in? Well, we want to identify the holes and get those fixed. It's really an entry issue. You've got to basically close the door on them here. And so if we can identify those holes in those entry points and seal them up, then then you shouldn't have a problem with squirrels. They don't naturally live in the attic, but they're obviously finding a way into your house. Um, if mm-hmm. you're not quite sure where they're getting in, uh, you obviously can't get in there, up there, to kind of look that closely. Then work from the street level, walking around the outside of the house and looking up. Try to get a pair of binoculars or bar- borrow one and see if you can spot the holes where they're getting in. But that's what has to be closed up. Okay, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. You're very welcome. Well, saving energy and going green are big goals for homeowners, which is one reason that heat pumps are more popular than ever. 
Well, that's right. And traditional heating systems use fuel like gas or oil to generate heat. Electric heat, on the other hand, has always been far more expensive. But if you go with a heat pump, which is kind of a form of electric heat, it can be a lot more affordable. And the reason is, is that heat pumps use a very small amount of energy to essentially pull heat out of the air or the ground and then move it to a space that needs to be heated or cool. In its simplest form, Heat pumps can heat kind of the same way an air conditioner cools a home. It's just that the refrigeration process is reversible, allowing that heat pump to do both. Mm-hmm. And I think one of, that's one of the biggest advantages of a heat pump. It's that you don't need to install separate systems to heat and cool the home. And because they're transferring heat rather than burning fuel to create it, heat pumps are much more efficient than a gas furnace. But now heat pumps do have some disadvantages as well. One common complaint we hear is that they blow cold air. Now, that's really not true, but they're not designed to put out warm air at the same temperature as a gas or oil furnace does, for example. Now, the air is cooler, but plenty warm enough to keep your home heated, and it heats it very efficiently. Now, another disadvantage is that heat pumps are really their most ideal for climates with moderate temperatures. Once that outdoor temp does dip below 30 or even 25 degrees Fahrenheit, there's not much heat left to extract, and a bad backup heating system becomes necessary. So if freezing temperatures are the norm where you live, any savings could definitely be outdone by that need for a backup system. Now, if you're thinking about a heat pump, there are basically two types to choose from. First, there's an air source heat pump. Very common, works much like your refrigerator. They take heat from the outside, they pump it through refrigerant-filled coils. It's then distributed through your home by a fan. Then there's a ground source heat pump. These are a little different. They absorb heat exclusively from the ground outside via pipes that are buried deep in the ground and filled with water. So bottom line, personally, Leslie, I'd prefer natural gas if I had it in the street. But if electric is the way to go, I definitely would consider a well-installed heat pump as the way to have electric heat and not spend a ton of money on it at the same time. Mike in Illinois is on the line. How can we help you today? I have a... The drywall through the center of my house is separating at the seams. Okay. Um, and it's straight through the center of the house, down the hallway, through the center of the house. And I'm not sure if it's due to moisture in the attic, uh, drying out and, ex- and expanding, or if it's the floor and the house moving. Mike, how old is your house? I'd say 20 years old. Okay. And is this relatively new or has it been around for a while? Um, it's been there uh, shortly after I moved in. Oh, so it's been there like 20 years. Yeah, I think yeah. it's probably shrinkage. You know, when a house is first built, the lumber is very wet, and over the first couple of heating se- seasons, it tends to shrink a lot, and you'll get a lot of movement. Now, over the years, you may have tried to patch it, and then you just find that it, it opens up again. That's very typical. What you want right. to do to patch it is you need to sand it down where it's where it's cracking. You need to use new drywall tape on top of that. You can use the perforated tape. It's easier to work with in terms of the spackle because you don't have to worry about air bubbles behind the paper tape. Use the perforated tape, put about three layers of spackle on there, sand in between, prime paint. You should be good to go. Okay. Um, if I have bathroom vents that are duct that are venting out into the attic, would that cause it? Or would that no, I, I don't I, think. It, well, first of all, I don't think it's caused that, but that that in of itself is a problem. You shouldn't be ducting bathroom exhaust fans into an attic. They should continue through the attic to the exterior. And the reason for that, you're in the Chicago area, correct? Pretty cold there, and if you get that insulation damp, it's not going to be very effective. Okay, so 
also with it venting in there, that's decreasing my R value, my insulation too. Absolutely. It is. R value is rated at zero percent moisture. So when you add moisture to it, it goes down dramatically. So the more moisture in the attic, uh, the less effective the insulation becomes. Okay. To fix that, would it be uh, would it be all right to add insulation on top of that after I fix that problem? Yeah, you can add more insulation, but you have to duct from the exhaust fan out of the attic. So you can do that by going like sort of through the gable wall or up through a roof vent with a proper termination on the end of it so no water gets in there. And just get that warm, moist air out. Don't leave it in the attic. Okay, and I've done some research on the Internet. Um, I got two bathroom fans. To run them into one, they said to find a a, uh, Y or a vent that'll flip one side to the other. So don't backdraft into other into the other bathroom. I cannot find that. Well, I don't think you really need that because, for example, if you run it to the gable wall and you have a, a typical uh, bath duct terminating type of a hood on it, that's got a spring on it that stays shut. So it's only going to open when the air is blown out. You know, there's another way to do this, and that is to have a remote bath fan where you actually have the the motor part that's up in the attic space, and the ducts just connect uh, to the ceiling of the bathrooms. But, you know, that's that's a nice system. It's a quiet system, but it's much more expensive to do. You see that a lot in hotels. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, you know, the best lines of defense against a house fire is a working smoke alarm paired with an escape plan. But have you thought of adding a sprinkler system to increase your safety? Now, a sprinkler system is going to detect high heat from a fire and throw water on the flames quickly. That's also going to stop smoke and poisonous gases. Well, that's right. And unfortunately, only about 8% of American homes have fire sprinklers. Some states are now requiring them actually on new construction. But the one reason more homeowners don't retrofit them is because people are afraid of a false alarm and ruining carpeting or furniture. Not something to be concerned about, folks, because that is just not the case. Sprinklers today only activate in very high heat. So they're not going to pop open just because you burn the toast or maybe the, the roast in the oven. And if you're concerned about what it costs to install a sprinkler system, keep in mind that you might be able to offset those costs with a lower insurance premium as well as added value to your home. Yeah, they really make more sense today than ever before. So if you're thinking about updating your home, maybe you're doing a renovation, maybe you're buying a new house or building one, think about adding sprinklers. It really makes sense and is a great way to protect your home from burning. Now we've got Sue on the line who needs some help removing wallpaper. Tell us what's going on. Well, I live in an older house that has every single wall in the house is wallpapered. Okay. okay. And, I, and I'm really sick of wallpaper. Yeah. Probably a lot of years of wallpaper, too, huh, Sue? Yes, it is. Well, you know, as a decorator, wallpaper is coming back in a big way, and big, bold patterns sometimes work really well in interesting spaces, but they might not always be what everybody wants. Now, Sue, tell me, is it paper or is it vinyl? I think it might be a vinyl. Okay. Now, with vinyl, you're going to need to score that wall covering first, only because the vinyl is going to you know, stop any of your efforts from actually getting to where the paste is. Now, I've done this before, and it depends on how you've actually put up the paper and how long it's been there and what it is adhered to. You know, was the drywall behind it prepared first? That's all going to depend on your success rate in removing the wallpaper. But believe it or not, and it's definitely worth trying, it doesn't always work, but it has been successful many times for me. You can actually remove wallpaper with fabric softener, Really? I know it sounds crazy, but you can mix about a third of a cup fabric softener with two-thirds of a cup hot water, 
or you can even do it with, um, what is it, laundry starch, equal amounts of laundry starch and hot water. And the laundry starch, the benefit I find with that is that it ends up being like a thicker consistency, so it holds the, the moisture on the wallpaper where you want it, whereas the fabric softener and water is a little bit wetter. But you, if you're using the fabric softener, you want to put it in a spray bottle, spritz that wallpaper, get it super wet, let it sit there for 10 to 15 minutes. That wallpaper, you're going to feel it start to loosen, and then you're going to peel it away, start at the bottom, work your way to the top. You may need a scraper to sort of get underneath it and, you know, give it a lot of elbow grease. But with the laundry starch and hot water, you can put that on with a paint roller or a sponge, super wet the walls again, let it stand until you can peel away. And, and I would start there before I start, you know, renting steamers and, you know, getting crazy chemicals. Just start and see your success rate. Okay. That sounds easier than I thought it would be. Well, that's that's what we're here for. Thanks so much, Sue, for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. And good luck with that wallpaper well, project. Well, thank you. I'm going to be starting it probably in the next couple of weeks. Good. And then we'll talk to you next year when you're finished, okay? <laughs> no, no. I'm consider that. <laughs> thank you so much. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Don't forget, Money Pit's always standing by to give you a hand with your projects, and you can post them just like Gary from Georgia did. Now, Gary writes, I have wood trim on the outside of my house. Is there any advantage to painting it with Rust-Oleum? Would it provide a better barrier against the elements? I guess only if the wood starts to rust. (laughs) (laughs) I love that Gary's apparently a fan of Rust-Oleum, which is a great product, but... You know, Rust-Oleum is made for metal, and and that's the important thing to understand about paint. You've got to buy the paint that matches the material, and you've got to apply it properly. If you follow those two rules, you're going to get great results. So for exterior trim, I would use a good quality exterior paint, not Rust-Oleum, but any name brand paint. That's an exterior, exterior rated. But I wouldn't just do that. I would make sure, first of all, that I clean the surface very well. If there's an old surface of paint on it, you may need to scrape some of that off. You can't have any loose paint because you can't put good paint over bad paint. It's just going to peel off good and bad together. And then you've got to prime it. And again, you want to choose the primer that matches the paint that you've selected. And primers and paints have different qualities. The primer is essentially the adhesive. That's what sticks to the surface and makes sure that that paint stays around for a while. Primer is not designed to be the finished coat because it doesn't have any UV protection in it. That's what you get when you add the color coat, the top coat. So you put primer on, you let it dry really well, you add a second or third layer of the top color, that's an exterior paint, and then that's the way to protect that trim. 
Now, if you've got metal furniture, Gary, you can use Rust-Oleum primer and paint to your heart's content. But for wood, you're better off sticking with a good quality acrylic latex. All right, next up, we've got one here from Brad in Missouri who writes, I have a gravel driveway. Can I still use a snow thrower? Yeah, you certainly can. Now, look, gravel driveways are a little more tricky because you want to make sure the impellers don't contact with the driveway. And I'm not quite sure. It really depends on the brand. But generally speaking, not a snow thrower, which is like more for like sidewalks, but a snow blower is available in different stages. For example, there's a two-stage snow blower and a three-stage snow blower. With the two-stage, usually the bottom of sort of the mouth of the machine is going to be at ground level. And that's going to mean that it won't make contact with any loose dirt or gravel, but the impellers, the blades can still, still sort of scrape up all of the big stuff. So if you've got a big driveway and a lot of snow, you're probably going to want to invest in a two-stage snow blower. If we're just talking about a small area, sidewalk or two, or maybe just a very small driveway, you could think about a snow thrower. But generally, that's only going to cover maybe 6 to 10 inches at at most. Uh, It's probably going to be electric, which means you're going to have to run an extension cord to it. You know, Brad, don't discount the value of a snow thrower, even though they're small and they only do small spaces. Like I have a snow broom that's electric, which is great if it's, you know, not that big of a snow just for the steps or the little stoop or the small walkway in front of my house. So there is value to those and you can use those to be super helpful. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thank you so much for spending this part of your day with us. We hope we've given you some tips and ideas to help you plan your next project. If you've got questions, remember you can reach us 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT or post your questions to our website or to facebook.com slash themoneypit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 